How y'all feeling out there, man? What's going on? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Wrestling Takeover Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Turner. We got some wrestling news to tackle. We're going to get to that. Um, be sure to follow me on social media, Twitter at JT Takeover, on Instagram at The Wrestling Takeover, and most importantly on TikTok, tiktok.com slash The Wrestling Takeover. We're making waves over there. I appreciate the continued love and support on TikTok. Um, and we put out so many, so many videos, man, over the past couple of days. So check it out. I appreciate it. Uh, if you guys want to go support me on discusspw.com, y'all can do so. Uh, check out all of my articles. I recently wrote one regarding Solo Sokoa and why I feel like he needs to be the man to be the guy that defeats Roman Reigns. I will get to that. Um, as I'm actually in consideration of doing a singular casual conversation, tackling WrestleMania 40 and kind of giving you guys my fantasy book in and how I kind of would uh, present the card and pretty much putting out the best card possible for WrestleMania 40. So stay tapped for that uh, podcast coming very soon. I know a couple people have been asking me, where is my Monday Night Raw review, SmackDown, AEW Dynamite? You know, wrestling is popping right now, right? Wrestling is, is going crazy. I'm keeping tabs on everything, right? Um, and I'm aware of what's going on. But work's been crazy. I've been putting in that work um, at my job. And so I've been kind of doing that, putting that on my main focus. So that's why I haven't really been able to sit down really and watch a Raw, SmackDown, NXT, uh, sometimes NXT, but AEW. I did watch AEW last night. I loved the blood and guts. Um, it was a blast. It was a banger. And I had a great time watching AEW. AEW has been on fire as of late. And Tony Khan has been in his bag, man, for sure. So, shout out to Tony Khan, everybody in AEW. Continue to kill it, man, because Collision is, in my personal opinion, the best uh, weekly wrestling show. And Dynamite is getting up there, too, man. Great storylines, great characters. And so I feel like they're finding their groove. I really do. And um, it's just a great time to be a wrestling fan. So, that's why I wanted to update you guys on that type of thing. So, let's get into the wrestling news and we're actually going to start things off with a conversation that people that have been talking about with Bruce Pritchard we're going to start from the top and work our way all the way down to the last uh, news report for today so we're going to start with Bruce Pritchard this report is coming from of course Fightful and they're talking about Bruce Pritchard and Bruce Pritchard had this to say I'm not a writer. I'm a storyteller. You know, WWE has been in the business of storytelling um, with this bloodline and the judgment day. Um, and I'll just say this. I feel like the blueprint 
of not only the bloodline, but the Judgment Day. I feel like WWE needs to start consistently doing that more with their with their wrestlers instead of picking and choosing, you know, when to do a long term storyline, when to do a short term storyline. You know, you got to do it with everybody. You can't just do it with selective people. But um, Bruce Pritchard, um, he had this to say. So I guess he was getting interviewed. He was on his podcast. I'm sorry. He was on his own podcast. Something with something to wrestle with with Bruce Pritchard. He had this to say. I've never been a writer. Pritchard said creative and booking TV. I would never consider myself a writer. I don't consider myself a writer in a way that I think that Hollywood and people look at writers. I'm not a big fan of them. I'm not a big fan of the term. I think we've I think we're creative people that put things on paper. Hmm. Okay. It's a good way to look at things. I mean everything that Bruce Pritchard is doing, I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get in the business as a writer. So it's pretty interesting how he's describing it. Uh, Pritchard agreed with co-host Conrad Thompson when Thompson said the roles and titles are similar and different to an extent. So this is what he said. When I was a producer, I was the guy that put everything together. That's obviously what a producer does, right? I didn't understand that I was the producer. I think people get confused with titles and what they are. I'm not a title guy. I don't sit there and write out what people say maybe that's what i think what the that hold on maybe that is what people are thinking when they think of producer they think of someone that is also a creative writer that's not the case what am i i'm a storyteller so he's pretty much saying a storyteller is also a producer as well but a storyteller can also be a creative writer because a creative writer is telling stories They're writing out the stories. So it can, you know, go one or two different ways. He finished up and said, that's what I do. I tell stories and I try to bring them to life on screen. When Cameron Thompson asked if writers would say they do the same thing, Pritchard replied, sure, some would, some wouldn't. Some would say, no, I write the words and others and other people do as well, too. I'm an idea guy. I'm a creative guy. I'm a storyteller guy. Uh, it pigeonholes the writers and there are so many more things that I did then and back in the day. Oh, a writer? No, I'm not a writer. I'm a storyteller. Okay, there you go. So people people get confused with storyteller and people get produced with um, and confused with writer. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to be a writer. All right, I'm trying to write that's the career that I'm trying to get into. Um, would I like to be a, quote, producer? I'd love to be a producer as well, too. I think that'd be great. I would love to do both. I would love to do both. Um, a producer produces the matches. He or she lays out what we're seeing on television. The writer is supposed to write what you are about to see on TV. That's the difference. So it's interesting that he brought that up, kind of, you know, confirming to people what the difference is between a writer and a producer. Let's move on with Britt Baker. 
Where has Britt Baker been? I miss Britt Baker. I think Britt Baker had a match, but, you know, she hasn't been in anything important as of late. Uh, she's the it girl of AEW. AEW, at the time, they were building the division the around a Britt Baker. They consider a Britt Baker like a Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, right? The face of the, the women's division. This report's coming from Fightful, and Britt Baker discusses injuries in the ring, gives Thunder Rosa credit for being a good wrestler. I know that Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa don't see eye to eye. Y'all remember all the bullshit and the leaked reports and conflicting reports. Who's lying? Who's telling the truth about the feud with Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa? Speaking on not just football with Cam Hayward, Baker commented on getting her nose broken and injuries in wrestling. She said, quote, when, rest, when injuries happen, sometimes yes, sometimes no, she said, when asked if she gets pissed at her opponents when an injury occurs. Quote, there are so many things that can go wrong, and most of the time, 90% of the time, they don't. Wrestling is inches away from being a career-ending injury, obviously, and if it's mistimed or miscalculated most of the time, it's an honest mistake or a timing issue miscommunication that's why you need to start communicating more with your co-worker that's what they got it they got to focus on communication she said you can't be mad at that you can't be mad at that individual they made a mistake if someone is getting wild and crazy and shooting in the ring i'm gonna be ticked off of course if someone's in the ring and they're hitting you as hard as they can right they're not they're not in the guidelines of what they're trying to do in the ring. They're trying to get themselves over. I mean, I'd, I'd be pissed too, right? You'll hear it from me in the backstage, though, for sure. I'll keep quiet or whatever. We'll finish the match, and then when we get to the back, you're going to hear it from me. Straight up. So that's pretty much what Bert Baker said there. Now, Hayward asked, is Thunder Rosa... Or is that Thunder Rosa? Pretty much saying it's Thunder Rosa, you know, uh, always in there for herself and always taking cheap shots. That's what Britt Baker had to say. Hey, you said it, not me. No, no, I will say in AEW, I've never had that moment in the ring where I was like, I'm going to mess this person up. For the most part, we really are professionals in the locker room, which I'm thankful for. My differences aside, I don't like Thunder Rosa, but she's still a good wrestler. I have to give that to her. End quote. Now, Baker and Rosa have had a long history on screen and behind the scenes, but Baker said that she has never believed that uh, that uh, Thunder Rosa was an injury prone, and Rosa has apologized for the locker room, and that's that. Now, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa do not see eye to eye. I believe, if memory serves me correct, Britt Baker does not like that when Thunder Rosa got hurt. Right, and Thunder Rosa kept getting hurt consistently. She would not pretty much Britt Baker called Thunder Rosa weak in that when you're injured and you're still supposed to compete, you're still supposed to come to work. And Thunder Rosa didn't. But Thunder Rosa was hurt. She was legitimately hurt. So if you're really hurt, you got to take time off. 
Britt Baker got pissed off at Thunder Rosa for that, especially when Thunder Rosa was the AEW Women's Champion at the time. Britt Baker got pissed off at that because she felt that that Women's Championship wasn't being on the show. It wasn't being presented on the show. What are these women fighting over if Thunder Rosa's at home? Totally understandable. I understand that. But for Britt Baker to continuously attack Thunder Rosa... You know, this was obviously back in the time when this feud was hot and everything like that. Yeah, I don't like that either. You know, Britt Baker should have, you know, went to Thunder Rosa backstage, handle the business, and then keep it pushing. Instead of putting dirt on social media where people like myself have no business commenting on the backstage morale and everything that's going on. You know, you have these wrestlers and these personalities want to put shit to the dirt sheets get the dirt sheets popping and then the fans who are subscribed to the dirt sheets and follow the wrestling news like myself we're going to see these type of shit and then we're going to have our mindset of like all right i'm gonna comment on that i'm gonna give my opinion on that deservedly so if i see something and i'm following the show on a weekly basis i'm reading the news every single day and i get something like what happened with thunder rosa and Britt baker and I'm watching what happens on screen, and it's calculating with my opinion, I'm a comment on that. Simple. Rather, I know Thunder Rosa, or I don't, or I know Britt Baker, or I don't. I don't know any of these people. I'm only seeing what I'm watching on TV. I am only reading what I'm supposed to be reading in the news. We don't know any of these people. We're just going off based on what we read, see, and hear. As a wrestling fan. Simple. That's it. So, you know, there's a lot of people that were blaming AEW back in the day that they were putting out false information or even not just false information. They were putting out information to attack a specific wrestler and for fans to go after that specific wrestler. That's that's not cool. That's not cool. That's called unprofessional. That's that's called unprofessional. You don't ever see WWE do that shit. Never in my life have I seen WWE, you know, do what AEW was doing, you know, at the time where the inmates were running the asylum. That was different. Tony Khan now is running the ship. This is his show. This is his promotion, right? So he needs to take charge. He needs to set an example. He needs to have people fall in line. And that's what these wrestlers are finally doing. So that's great to know. Speaking of Tony Khan, another report from Fightful. Tony Khan confirms he has spoken to Warner Bros. Discovery about expanding AEW pay-per-view calendar. If you guys missed my uh, recent uh, news last week, I talked about this. I talked about the AEW pay-per-view calendar. I will explain on that. When I get to this report, at the end of the day, there's good and then there's bad with the uh, pay-per-view calendar, you know, having more pay-per-views on the calendar for AEW. I will get to that in a second. But during the ROH Death Before Dishonor media call that recently happened, Khan was asked about what he believes to be the optimism number of pay-per-views for the schedule. He stated that he believes it's expanding. Khan noted that he doesn't think any company that has expanded its pay-per-view calendar due to the demand of incumbents has regressed 
that decision and regretted it. He cited that the success of AEW's lineup up to the point before he extended that he has given a lot of consideration to expanding the schedule. And I'm not saying he hasn't spoken to that. I'm not saying he hasn't thought of that. Of course he has. So this is what he had to say. I think it's evolving. I believe no wrestling company has ever expanded its pay-per-view calendar due to demand of incomes has ever regretted that decision in general. And they have factors to have helped wrestling companies rise and fall over the years. But I do think expanding your pay-per-view calendar has given often been something that has been seen as a revenue positive and an overall positive for the companies. Certainly, when there were a competition in the past, more pay-per-views was the standard. For us, we launched with the pay-per-view and the um, very mythical plan of the premier live events. But we built a really solid calendar of major events. Now, we're taking and we're talking about six major pay-per-views worthy and if they're worthy of being on the calendar as for expanding the calendar even further it's something we've talked to warner bros discovery about and it's something that everyone believes could be revenue positive it's something that's certainly considered but i'm very happy with what we've built yeah um here we go so I like to calculate my opinions. I like to talk a little, you know, slow, delicate and kind of give you guys my opinions and how I'm feeling through my eyes and my mindset. Do I think and I'm going to kind of repeat some of the things that I, you know, talked about last week when this report first came out. Do I think that the pay-per-view model and the pay-per-view schedule um is important and it needs to evolve i do i really do um now how many pay-per-views is he talking about have no idea eight i'm assuming hold on guys one second i'm gonna take a bit of my water i'm thirsty right now Okay, my bad about that. So, yes, so the pay-per-view calendar, the pay-per-view model, AEW is talking about changing it. AEW is talking about expanding its pay-per-views. Okay, like that's great. And I think it's great because you look at Dynamite, right? You have a fucking three-month, two-month gap where we get nothing important on dynamite we get pointless matches we get pointless feuds and we have no end game no end game at all because i'm gonna take a pay-per-view like revolution right isn't revolution typically in march okay so revolutions typically in march we don't have free time other than that to wait for a pay-per-view we got to wait two months for revolution in march so you're telling me in those two months awtv's pointless that's my mindset that's my train of thought if we got to wait two months just for pay-per-view why am i watching aw shouldn't i take a month off and then come back a month later 
when they're finally going to build to the pay-per-view in March, right? In February, I'll come back. January, no one cares. We get to February. All right. They're somewhat going to build towards this and woo, woo, woo. All right, cool. We great. And then we get to March and we get the pay-per-view. That's great, right? Are they going to do what WWE is doing? Where Peacock is pretty much telling them, you need to get a pay-per-view out every month. Are we going to do something with WWE? Are we going to take like at least a month gap for the AEW pay-per-views instead of a two to three month gap? I think a month gap is pretty good. You get one month, one month of build for your eventual pay-per-view the month later. Right? I think that would make sense. I think I like that idea. But are they going to go the WWE route? That's what people are fearing. That's what people are speculating. And, well, I mean, I'm speculating and I'm pretty nervous about that. But more pay-per-views is definitely a must for AEW. It's definitely a must. They need more pay-per-views. That's for sure. Because you got Collision now. You still got AEW Dynamite. Right? And AEW's hot right now. AEW's in command right now. I think this is the most popular AEW's been since its launch. Right? So... AEW's on fire. I'm excited for AEW. Um, AEW is must-see TV. That's for sure. So we're going to talk about something else regarding Tony Khan. So Tony Khan talked about something very interesting. He talked about possibly adding a third hour to Dynamite. Now, everybody relax. Everybody relax. I don't think that's going to happen, no. I don't think that's going to happen. I hope that doesn't happen. Not only that, but he also talked about All In as well, too. And obviously the band moves. I went over that earlier. I went over that last week. But let's talk about the um, All In pay-per-view first, and then we'll get to the uh, third hour of Dynamite, which I don't think that's a good idea, but I understand why if they did that. So Khan will confirm due to a recent time about All In and how to watch All In. He says everyone will be able to watch it live in the evening in the UK, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. time, NFL Sunday slots. They're pretty much going to kind of present it as if they're presenting NFL Sunday slot. You want All In? You want All Out? You'll get two packages in one. I don't know how much that's going to be. And I'm telling you, I love AW, but I'm telling y'all right now. I'm not paying for both. Because they are in, I think they're in a week apart. I think it's all in and then it's all out. Literally. So you got one Saturday or one Sunday all in and then the next Saturday or Sunday you got all out. I'm not doing that. So you need to give me like a package deal or something where I get both of it. And then I'll consider it. If not, I'm missing one of the shows. Just going to say that right now. I ain't paying for both shows. I'm not doing that. So Tony needs, Tony needs to get that figured out quick. Especially with money struggling nowadays, man. Yeah, Tony needs to get that figured out. But 
He also confirmed and said, matches will be begin to get announced in the next few weeks. We didn't get anything really yesterday, but it's cool. Announced in a few weeks that the show will be their greatest ever. He also said the successor of the current standing of All Out and All In as one of the highest growing wrestling events has ever helped AEW become the, quote, industry leader in the UK. I don't know, man. WWE might have something to say about that one. But listen, I get it. I get the confidence. I love the confidence. I love the cockiness. I think it's great. Yeah, so they need to get, we need to get answers with All In and All Out. How much is it? Is it a package deal? Or are you going to run and do some bullshit where you got All Out one weekend and then All In the other weekend? I ain't doing that. So let's get to a controversial question. Third hour dynamite asked about the interest of a third hour dynamite con Tony Khan took a long pause and said, quote, it's an interesting question. This question came up in a tie in to the ratings for both collision and battle of the belts being strong for Saturday. Khan said he couldn't comment on rather they will do more of a three hour block in the future, but felt like they have found a good weekly rhythm with dynamite collision and rampage but how those three hours are allegated are to be discussed. So what you're telling me is you got AEW, you got Rampage, and you got Collision. AEW is two hours. Rampage is one hour. Collision's two hours. You got five hours there. Five hours. I'm going to keep it 100 with y'all. I'm just going to speak for myself. I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I will say I know majority of people that are going to be listening to this podcast and what I'm about to say, you are going to agree with what I'm about to sell you. Nobody fucking watches Rampage. Cut the shit. Cut it out right now. You don't watch Rampage. You either don't watch it at all or you don't watch it on a regular. I don't watch it at all. I couldn't give a rat's ass about what happens on Rampage. Don't care. Rampage is irrelevant. Relevant. Just like um, <clears throat> just like Ring of Honor is uh, <clears throat> irrelevant. Nobody cares about Ring of Honor. People watch it, and that's fine. But it's not popping. It's not talked about on social media. It ain't trending. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. The more y'all understand that, the better. So, a three hour of AEW. I don't know about that one, man. That's something that is going to be very, very interesting when that eventually happens. AEW's on fire, man. AEW's doing some great stuff. I'm very excited to see what AEW does. Um, as we get close to Wembley, right, all out, all in. Hopefully we get some news on what's going to happen, the prices, how can we watch it. <clears throat> and uh, that eventual announcement of, a of AEW going on HBO Max. I'm just waiting because I have HBO Max. So uh, I need some answers, TK. What are we doing? So we'll see what happens there. This is going to be very controversial. Sorta. I have two reports here 
Well, one's an opinion and the other one is actually a report. And this goes hand in hand. <clears throat> so Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins has been on a great, great run so far, man. And he's been on a lot of media appearances as of late. Seth Rollins on WWE. Y'all ready for what he said? He said, quote, the business is hot right now. We're in a boom, period. We're in a boom. We're in a wrestling boom. Really? Hmm. Okay. It's interesting. Do I agree that we are in a boom, period? <clears throat> I will get to that in a second. I want to actually read what Seth Rollins had to say first. And then I might actually play an audio of what Seth Rollins said as well, too. But the WWE is in a good time to negotiate their media rights deal for Raw and SmackDown as there is an ongoing writers and actors strike in Hollywood. That shit's awful, man. They need to pay those writers and pay them actors way more bread, especially the writers. It's affecting my movie magic, man. It's affecting my movie love over here. They got to figure that shit out. The SAG AFTRA, because I don't want to pronounce it, I'm going to get that wrong, decided to join the Writer's Guide of America on the picket line last week, which pushed the two sides against the studios, tense negotiations to get writers more pay. Like I said, the writers deserve more pay. No question. While speaking with TMZ Sports, he noted that he sides with them, but thinks WWE may get a boost of interest from casual fans during this time. He is absolutely correct on that. This also comes at a time when WWE's business across the board ratings, attendance, merchandise, revenue has been up. Yo, why has that been the case? Why is revenue, why has the interest, the attendance, the merchandise, why has all of that been up? I'll get to that. But this is what Seth Rollins had to say. I mean, silver lining for us, I suppose, you know, it's a different, it's a difficult time for the actors and the writers. I believe they're doing the right thing, asking for what they deserve. I stand by them. But it is fortunate part of not being a part of a union when we will be able to still perform. And for our audience and people who not be familiar with that, now get an opportunity to tune in and see what we were all about. Yeah, I mean... We've never been hotter. The business has never been hotter. This is the biggest time it's been um, in a very long time. The talent across the board is the best it's ever been. The business is hot right now. We're in a boom. I think when we look back on it, it's going to be a special time. Totally. Is WW... I don't... Okay, I think he's talking about WWE, right? I think he's talking about WWE, so... I'm going to talk about WWE and not <clears throat> pro wrestling is in a boom. You know what? I'm going to talk about both. Fuck it. I'm going to talk about wrestling in general, all promotions, and I'm going to talk about WWE alone. Let's talk about WWE alone because that is the article that I just finished up reading, right? Is WWE in a boom? I have no notes. I have none of that. I just read a report. 
And now everything else that's about to come out of my mouth is my opinion. Check this out. Do I agree with Seth Rollins that WWE is in a boom period? Describe boom period. What are we describing? In-ring? Storytelling? Revenue? Interests? Social media? Social media? We're in a boom period there. WWE. And I mean this. I mean it. WWE has never been talked about so much and so hot on social media. I can't even remember. And I'm talking about on a consistent basis. Fuck Monday. Fuck Tuesday and fuck Friday. I'm not talking about those days. That's obvious. They're always going to be trending with Monday Night Raw with Friday Night Smackdown and NXT on Tuesday. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about Monday through Friday. There's always tweets related to WWE. Somehow, some way, and it's even gone to the weekend. Especially when they get their premier live events going. They're doing big numbers for the premier live events. I want to shout out to Nick Khan. Shout out to Nick Khan, man, because that motherfucker has put bank in WWE from a business standpoint. So shout out to Nick Khan. But social media is in a boom period. That's for sure. I haven't seen people talk about pro wrestling this much. I can't even remember. And I'm being straight up with you. I'm talking about hardcore passionate fans like myself. Talk about the casuals as well too. Wrestling from a social media standpoint. WWE has not been talked about like this in a very long time. I can't even remember. Right? So that is a boom period. Let's talk about merchandising. All the numbers are up, that's for sure. That's for sure. Every journalist or every wannabe journalist out there always putting out the numbers, baby. It's all about the numbers. In this business, it's all about the numbers. All about the ratings. That's what it is. Instead of looking at it face value and looking and watching and coming up with your own opinions with what you're watching. It's all about the numbers. Fuck what you're watching. You might not like what you're watching, but the numbers tell you otherwise. That's just, that's how it is. You might not like something. You might not like a specific shirt. You might not like a specific storyline. The numbers don't give a fuck. The numbers are telling you otherwise. Merchandising is popping, right? The highest grossing merchandising, man, I believe right now, Cody Rhodes, John Cena, of course, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Rhea Ripley, The Bloodline. It's popping right now. Merchandising are flying off the shelves in WWE. That is fantastic. So from a merchandising standpoint, they're popping. Now, are there, you know, they popping more than the Attitude Era? I believe so. I believe so. I believe they are. Now, the most important aspect is the TV product. See, that's where the king come over here. That's when the king come in. That's my job. The TV product. Numbers, all that shit. That is great. I'm into numbers too. I'm a numbers guy. I have to be with my podcasting and my social media stuff. I have to be a numbers guy as well too. So I'm into the numbers, 
but I'm also into the creative and the booking and, you know, the present day. I'm into both of it. So let's now look at the TV product. This is going to be a, a long conversation, by the way. So get ready because uh, there's another article. I'm going to get to that in a little bit. And then uh, there's two more uh, non, you know, articles that I want to get to towards the end. But I want to specifically sit right now and talk about this because it's very hot topic right now in WWE. Is WWE entering a boom period? That is the hot topic. I see it on social media, man. Twitter, Instagram, and especially TikTok. The numbers are going crazy for the WWE. You know that. I know that. We have to understand that. We have to be aware of that. They're putting out banger shows for the premier live events. They're traveling the world right outside of the United States. This is all on Nick Khan. This is all on Nick Khan's doing. Puerto Rico, the UK, Australia, this place, that place. You know what I mean? So they're, they're traveling the world and they're giving fans outside of the United States an opportunity to watch and enjoy live in person WWE. Saudi Arabia as well too. WWE hasn't been hotter since I can't remember Attitude Era, whatever, right? You look at the storylines, you look at the TV product. What's booming? What's putting asses in seats? What's gravitating the, you know, wrestling fan? It's the bloodline storyline. Rather you like it or not. Listen. This is straight facts, okay? The bloodline storyline, because I know people that have came back and watched WWE because of the bloodline story. There are people that have not watched pro wrestling very long time. Well, why'd you come back? Well, the uh, bloodline story that they're going on with this guy, Roman Reigns, and the rest of the bloodline. So they've made a difference. They've made a difference. Why do you think WWE has not ended the goddamn storyline? The storyline realistically should have been ended, but it hasn't. You want to know why? Because more fans are starting to watch the WWE product and specifically watching for the bloodline. I didn't even go further. There are people that are watching WWE with the dominance, the presentation of Rhea Ripley. I hope WWE understands that they got gold in Rhea Ripley. Presenting her like a China, presenting her is a big fucking deal. I pray to God WWE knows what they're doing with Rhea Ripley because they got something special. They got something special in Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley, man, it's crazy. This mommy persona, this poppy mommy thing popping off. Fans going crazy. Grown-ass men calling Rhea Ripley mommy. I mean, come on. That's crazy. She's popular. The Judgment Day, popular. Dominic Mysterio, the best heel in the game. Every time this motherfucker be grabbing a microphone, this, this crowd just be booing the shit out of him. Love it. I love it. 
Sometimes WWE pipes in them fucking booze. I ain't a dummy. I know they do that. WWE's petty for that shit. But for the most part, fans are genuinely booing this dude. So that's great. Storylines. Bloodline storyline. Poppin'. The Judgment Day storyline. Poppin'. That's two. We had a little side storyline with Mommy, right? And Dominic. They're doing great. The Gunther. Gunther. Right? Storyline. Crazy. His dominance. Crazy. There's another positive. So you got certain things that are in WWE that are holding the company down. Mostly the bloodline. But there are other avenues of stories that the WWE is getting hold down on. Now my question is. When the bloodline storyline officially ends. I might. I might emotionally. In my head of course. Tear up. And get upset because of how invested I've been in the bloodline over the past three years. When that storyline is over, what storyline is going to gravitate the audience emotionally? What is it? Judgment Day? That's what's being rumored. WWE, as soon as the bloodline storyline is over, they're trying to present and book Judgment Day like the bloodline. That right there, you already fucked up. You are already fucking up Judgment Day. Nobody will ever be the bloodline. We will never see anything like the bloodline in a very long time. Nobody in that group is Roman Reigns. Just telling you that right now. Nobody in that group. Nobody in that group is the Usos. Nobody in that group is Solo Sokoa. Simple. So, I get it. I fuck with Judgment Day. Are they overexposed? They're getting to that point. Yes, they are getting to that point. But I'm still fucking with them. I'm a fan of them. Right? And I want to see new stories be created with the Judgment Day. The long-term storylines, long-term booking really needs to be a part of WWE's MO. And the Bloodline story has given you that blueprint. Now you got to follow it with, uh, you know, you're doing it with Judgment Day. I need more. With the women. I need to see a long-term story in the women's division. Feels like they don't give a fuck about the division. And if y'all missed my my ca- my casual conversation about the women's division, women's wrestling in WWE, please go out and check it out wherever you get your podcast. Because I documented every single thing in the women's division. My opinion, my blood, my sweat, my tears, my passionate views on women's wrestling in WWE. It's lacking. It's lacking heavy. Lacking character development. Lacking storylines. Or the only character that I will say is Rhea Ripley. Let me trace back there. The only character really is Rhea Ripley. That's it. That's all you got. You need to capitalize on that. I'm talking about a bloodline story with Rhea Ripley. That's what I'm talking about. I ain't talking about no Judgment Day fucking, you know, Uh, Dominic Mysterio and Rhea Ripley thing. I'm talking about Rhea fucking Ripley. Dominant force in WWE. Love Rhea Ripley. We need a storyline with Rhea Ripley that is long-term like the bloodline. She needs to be presented, sort of, as a Roman Reigns-type presentation figure. WWE. Poke her like a China. WWE. She's just a better wrestler. WWE. So you got to do that with Rhea Ripley, man. You got the blueprint. 
You got the fucking blueprint. Just do something with it. Do something with that, man. We need long-term stories with the women's division. Again, I can go on on a whole nother rate on women's wrestling. All I'm saying is this. Storylines, WWE, they're okay. They're okay, right? There's still pigeonholes in the game, right? Tax and division, it's fluking a little bit. Ain't really liking what they really doing. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn's run's been ah, eh, it's been all right. Got to be better. Austin Theory's run, dog shit, not his fault. Even management, apparently, I see in the report, even management knows that they fucked up after the John Cena match. I mean, I could have told you that. Just watch the show. Watch the show, and you will see that they fucked up. If they knew they fucked up, why did you present Austin Theory the way you did after WrestleMania? I thought you guys are creative. Be creative. The only things that you guys are actually succeeding right now is Gunther in his reign, Judgment Day, and the Bloodline. I saw y'all got. Let's keep it 100. That's all y'all niggas got, bro. That's it. Nothing really crazy popping off in WWE outside of those three. Simple. Y'all got to do better, man. Y'all got a great roster. What's going on? Y'all got a great roster. Y'all got to give us something, man. For real. Because AW on your ass. AW is on your fucking ass. They got so much momentum. But WWE's on a high. Merchandising, ratings, fan interest, fan investment, social media retention. It's crazy. So clearly, everything I'm saying is bullshit because clearly the numbers are telling me otherwise. That's cool. Fine. That's fine. At the same time, though, is it fine? I don't know, man. I don't know. Listen, WWE's going to do what they want. I'm going to watch regardless, but at the end of the day, I'm always give you all my honest opinions on the WWE product, whether you want to hear it or not. So, that's that. They are in a boom period again, I will say, to end it there. They are in a boom period. Um, they're putting on some great things, but there's still stuff to work on, and that's that. This article right here on Bleacher Report. <laughs> oh, man. I seen this, and um, I didn't read it. I just seen the title, and I immediately wanted to put it on the podcast. <clears throat> so, four reasons why WWE is hotter than it was during the Attitude Era. All right, Eric, who wrote the article. Shout out to Eric. Let's see what this guy has to say here, man. This is interesting. And I'm actually going to read the whole thing. All right, I'm going to read the whole thing. And after every time, I'm going to give you guys my opinions on it. So after every paragraph, I'll give you all my opinion. So let's see. WWE is hot right now. And it's uh, the hottest thing it's been. That includes the Attitude Era in the late 90s. A lot of people in the community have been saying that. WWE's been the hottest thing since the Attitude Era. Okay, I, I might agree with that, but this dude is pretty much saying WWE today is hotter than the Attitude Era. Okay. While the company may not be 
the pop culture phenomenon that it was during the period when Austin 316 and the New World Order t-shirts were promoted at FIBA and Calvin Kanai. WWE is experiencing record numbers in television ratings. Again, like I said, the big three, the ratings, live event attendance, and merchandise sales and social media retention. I will say that right now. Before I continue, I want to say this point. Shout out to Triple H. Triple H has given us some great things, but Triple H has also given us some questionable things. But I will tell him this. The post-press conference, you know, presentation stuff that we've been seeing. Triple H, thank you. Thank you for finally listening and making that feel like a sports-like presentation. I've been wanting that for the longest time. Press conferences in WWE. Hype up the matches. Hype up the card. Hype up whatever match you're presenting. Make it like a sports-like presentation. And that is exactly what we're getting. And I love that. The, uh, the press conferences, you know, before the, you know, before the pay-per-view comes on, hyping up what we're about to see. And then a post-press conference immediately after the matches, feeling like a sports-like feel, giving the uh, wrestlers the opinion to kind of go out there and give their honest takes on what just happened. I fucking love that shit. I really do. So shout out to Triple H for that. So Dave Meltzer discussed as much on a recent edition of the Wrestling Observer Radio for transparency. I guess this is what Dave had to say. Attendance is way up. It's been on cable, even in the Attitude Era when it was on a big cable provider. It wasn't being the top network shows. It wasn't even close. But now, I mean, it is. It's crazy. And people want to say that somehow this isn't hot. It is hot. Like I said, it is hot. WWE is booming, rather you like it or not. They're popping. They're in everyone's fucking mouths. Everybody's talking about WWE one way or another. You're talking about it positively or you're talking about it negatively. At the end of the day, WWE don't give a fuck. You want to know why? Because you're talking about them. That is business. That's important. I'd rather someone talk about me than not say shit. Because if no one says anything about you, your brand, your company, whatever, that means your shit is lacking. So you need to go back and you need to retress and you need to come up with some more material or whatever. But if someone's talking about your thing, either positively or negatively, at least they're talking about you. So that's important. It is hot. It's the hottest it's been since 2001. That's 22 years ago. That's, that's sad, by the way. <laughs> that's pretty sad. Um, uh, listen, I want to say this. It's actually, <laughs> you know, how I was a wrestling fan. You know, you go up to people or, you know, you, you post on social media and shit. And some of your friends are like, oh, you're a wrestling fan. Ha <laughs> ha, you're a fucking loser. You bum. You like that wrestling shit, whatever. That shit's fake. No one likes it. Let me tell you something, you motherfucker. Guess what? A lot of people actually like pro wrestling. Some of them were just in the closet. They were scared to come out. Now, we look at in 2023. No one's scared now to come out and say, I'm a wrestling fan. 
Because everybody watches it, baby. Everybody knows about it. Everybody talking about it one way or another. I don't want to hear that. Dave Meltzer continued, it's crazy. People want to say that somehow it isn't hot. It is hot. It's the hottest thing it's been since 2001. That's 22 years ago. And people may look back and go, oh, they're doing 3 million views. That is not many years ago. Although TV has changed, people don't understand that. TV has definitely changed. They certainly weren't doing these crowds on a regular basis like they are now. The crowds for the quarter would be some of the highest in many years. And so many other things were... When we look back at them, merchandising has never been higher, ever, not even close, not even in the Attitude Era, not in the Hulk Hogan Era, not even as high as it is now. Roman Reigns is the catalyst. Cody Rhodes is doing great. Raw, no doubt about it. Roman, he's been good since he went heel, and it's been building and everything like that. But even when you look back six months ago, it's gone way up since six months ago. Let me tell you something right now, man. You look at the pro wrestling industry. WWE needs to be... I'm going to give WWE some props here. Not going to fucking lie to you. And I'll explain why in a second. I need WWE. You need to understand, bruh. You got to understand. You got some fucking dogs in your fucking roster. Some fucking dogs. Stop getting out of this fucking... My old Roman, 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 Roman Reigns. We need Roman. Motherfucker. You got more pieces. You actually have more talented men that can actually quote-unquote grab the ball and run with the ball than you had in the Ruthless Aggression era. You didn't really trust that many people really in the Ruthless Aggression era. All you had is John Cena. Then you had Batista, Undertaker, the established vet, Triple H, the established vet, Shawn Michaels, the established vet. Ric Flair, the established vet. Got a couple other veterans that when the chips are down, you can go to those cats. But you didn't have really a young nucleus as you do now. That's a fact. That's a fact. I'll consider Roman Reigns the John Cena, right? The John Cena era is Roman Reigns. Who the fuck is his replacement? WWE's mindset is, oh, we don't have one. Nah, motherfucker. Yeah, you do. You actually have a couple of them, but then you and your own mindset and your own train of thought, you feel like, oh, we don't have none. No, you do. You do. And it's not just Cody Rhodes. I want to say that right now. It ain't just Cody. You have like three or four of them. But you have to pay attention and you, WWE creative management, have to put in your own mindset that, oh, shit, we do have more Roman Reigns. You do. Seth Rollins. Gunther. You have fucking Gunther. You could present and build him as a quote-unquote big evil version of Roman Reigns. You have him. So you got Seth, but Seth don't really, Seth don't count, man. Seth Rollins does not count. He's in the same echelon as Roman Reigns. But as, quote, the guy... WWE only thinks they have Roman Reigns, and that's not true. Got Seth Rollins, got Gunther, got Cody. That's three people. You got Solo Sokoa, who's coming up in the game. Solo Sokoa, that's four people. I can go down the list, man. Now, this is determining if they book these people properly. That's the problem. If you book Carmelo Hayes properly, he could be a gem. 
You book Grayson Waller properly. He can be a gem. You got L.A. fucking Knight. One of the most popular fucking dudes in the game today. Outside of Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. L.A. Knight is up there. You got L.A. Knight there. Bruh. Braun Breaker coming up. You got Braun Breaker. Carmelo Hayes. Grayson Waller. Those going to be your three. Those going to be your three guys, bruh. Three future megastars right there. If you present them correctly. It's looking more, it's looking more, you know, phenomenal when it comes to the men than the women and the women, my nigga. You got, I don't know what the fuck y'all got. Y'all got problems. At least for the men, you have at least, and I mean this, at least like six dudes that can genuinely, quote unquote, pick up the ball or run with the ball. For the women, ain't looking too good. Ain't looking too good. All you really got is, you know, you got the established Bailey, Becky, right? You got Bailey. Those are the three. You know what I mean? Got Alexa, right? I put Bianca up there with the Charlottes, but she's still new, I would say. She's still new. But I'm already going to put her in the echelon with Becky and, and Charlotte, mainly because of the way that she's been pushed. So you got Becky Lynch, you got Charlotte Flair, you got Bianca Belair, you got Asuka, right? That's four. You got Alexa Bliss, right? That's five women that you've really, really have been pushed down the fans' throats. Who new women do y'all have? For real. Who y'all got? Right now? And I mean this. It looks like y'all only got one, and that's Rhea Ripley. That's really all y'all got. But y'all got some, y'all got some potential top queens in the NXT women's division. Roxanne Perez, Tiffany Stratton. Y'all better watch out for Tiffany Stratton. I'm telling y'all that right now. She gonna be a gem on the main roster. Tiffany Stratton, Roxanne Perez, Cora Jade. Those are your three. And then you got Nikita Lyons coming up too. If she can just stay healthy. That's four women right there. You got people, WWE. I'm telling you right now. You got people. You just need to be emotionally invested into these people and bringing them up as they come along. Don't rush these people. Stop picking and I get it. From a business, you want to quote unquote pick and choose who you want to present. And who you want to push. But fuck man. If some fans. If the majority of the fans love one specific person. Please push that person. Please. Work with that individual. Like LA Knight. Management didn't want to push him. The fans pushed him. He's so popular. Fucking AEW fans are chanting LA Knight. Come on bruh. You gotta push LA Knight. Hopefully we get Austin Theory versus LA Knight at SummerSlam and LA Knight becomes a new United States champion. I just absolutely went on a tangent. My bad. Um, let me let me continue on here. Dave Meltzer continued and said, oh, they were doing 3 million views that many years ago. They certainly weren't doing that crowd on a regular basis. And now the crowds, the quarterly earnings would be some of the highest in many years and so many other things. When you look back at them, merchandise has never been hotter with the Attitude Era. 
with uh, Hulk Hogan and, you know, all that jazz. Why is the company hotter uh, right now than it's ever been leading to increased revenue in all major categories and helping to make the WWE juggernaut and the professional wrestling industry in 2023? The answer lies in effort to tell emotionally investing stories that elevate everyone involved, incorporating recognizable stars, the return of an interesting influencer, and a knock to spectate. Storytelling, people. I'm telling you, it's all about storytelling. It's all about character development. That is what fans want to see. Oh, we gonna get a banger there. We're gonna get a banger there. Listen, we can get a five-star classic anywhere, but it's about story storytelling, it's about character development. That's what the wrestling fans want to see. So we're gonna talk about a couple aspects of why WWE, quote, in this case, is coming through big time. So we're gonna talk about this one. Masters of spectacle. WWE is the best one there. WWE moving a handful of its premier live events into a stadium and setting not only that has helped elevated the WWE um, and the shows in terms of its significance, but it's also helped when it comes to feeling each other and feeling it like a big deal. There are the core four Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, WrestleMania, and Survivor Series, but the cast, the, let me repeat that again, the Clash of the Castle and a Mechlin Saudi Arabia shows have created a multi-must-see feeling surrounding them. The cards are stacked, the crowds are bigger, and the heat for the show is off the charts. Each non-WrestleMania event takes on that feel because of the imminent of the stadium shows drawing the attention of fans who otherwise may not have been inclined to skip over what they traditionally have been miserable to since September's event. The company has expectedly taken half of three quarters of its major events slate and made musty programming driving interest on social media interaction as a result the spectacle of a major stadium packed the grills with Ross fans ready to scream chant and emotionally invest in what is about to unfold and has been a massively important changes to the company's approach absolutely listen these pay-per-views have been off the charts these pay-per-views for the most part are musty these pay-per-views are appointment TV. Simple. And I forgot to mention this, and I'm going to do it now. The Saturday slate for pro wrestling for WWE. Shout out to, once again, Nick Khan. He knows business. He knows numbers. And he is really good in that business, right? Wrestling on Saturday is really a gem. I love it. I love when there's a pay-per-view, when it comes around, and you know it's going to be on Saturday, and you're fucking pumped. You're fucking pumped, right? When Saturday comes around, I go to the gym early in the morning. I do my shit. I come home. I rest for a bit. Knowing that there is a pay-per-view in a couple hours. And I watch and I have a good time with it. And then I do my my podcast after. I love that. That's my day when there is a a WWE pay-per-view on a Saturday. I love that. So now we're going to talk about young celebrity and the cool factor. In years past, celebrities' involvement in pro wrestling were relegated to a cameo or a handful of appearances that result in a one-off match referring gig before the said celebrity disappeared. In 2010s, celebrity involvement came in form of a combat athlete's entering 
returning to the ring or extended absence Brock Lesnar or UFC Hall of Famer living out his dream or her dream of stepping into the ring, Ronda Rousey. Today's celebrities' involvement in WWE is different, not only in those entering the company generally mainstreams, uh, mainstream stars, but they are now relegated or not relegated simply to promo segments and a, quote, one big match opportunity. They are physical, take risk, and show out on the grandest stage known as WWE. They drive social media interaction by way of a fan excitement and fan aura over their performances while delivering impressions to the company can then put them together in a press release touring the overall success of the organization. Logan Paul and Bad Bunny have been massively important in leading the way for this new wave of celebrity participation in the company. Though Johnny Knoxville and his and him, he has admitted love for the industry and gave way to one of the most memorable matches in modern WrestleMania history against Sami Zayn. I don't think it was memorable. I mean, it was memorable, but I don't think it was all that, but to each their own. Consideration, Vince McMahon is nostalgically behind the times in terms of pop culture. Yeah, he's absolutely... God. Listen, he is ahead of his time, is Vince McMahon. I will say that. WrestleMania 39 featured an appearance of Lil Uzi Vert. Lil Lil Uzi Vert. An admitted wrestling fan whose pink tapped just became the first rapper to a top Billboard charts in 2023. One of the songs that the album is appropriately titled Nakamura and samples former NXT champion Shisuke Nakamura's entire theme song. Yeah, I have it and it's lit as fuck. It is further proof that the influence of wrestling has on mainstream celebrity and vice versa. Even going back years ago, LeBron James and Damian Leonard express their fandom of pro wrestling, rocking an Undertaker t-shirt and rolling to the arena in a Stone Cold Steve Austin costume, respectfully. The celebrities of today grew up watching larger-than-life uh, stars, like myself, um, during the Attitude Era and Ruthless Aggression eras of WWE and are excited about exhibiting the fandom, with some taking the opportunity to do so in a ring itself, and the result has been added a fan fever. In turn, the fan entrance and WWE use of celebrities have driven merchandise sales and ticket revenue. Absolutely. Again, revenue in WWE has been killing it. Celebrities are important to pro wrestling, but they only need to be used when it's important. And, um, you know, the blueprint is Logan Paul and Bad Bunny. Simple. If you're a celebrity out there and you want to go into the WWE and you think you can hang, you need to take lessons from Bad Bunny and you definitely need to take lessons from Logan Paul. I mean, Logan Paul went one-on-one with fucking Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins and delivered two bangers. So Logan Paul is the standard of celebrity uh, wrestling. And I am going to stand by that. He is the uh, measuring stick in that regard. Next up, the... Prodigal Son returns for an emotional story of investment. This is the Cody Rhodes stuff. Um, I'm going to skip that one. Pretty much telling that Cody Rhodes is the John Cena and telling WWE you know, fans or whatever that Cody Rhodes um, is going to be booked pretty similar to um, John Cena and his story. I'm going to go with Roman Reigns. High tips, raise, and all ships. This is pretty much saying that Roman Reigns is the most important aspect on WWE. And this is going to be the last uh, little news piece I have here. So stick with me. 
there was a time when wrestling fans, analysts, and industry insiders questioned whether Roman Reigns was ever going to be the top guy that WWE officials so desperately wanted him to be. Yeah, those questions have definitely been answered, for sure. With one of the greatest runs by any superstar in company history, a tour de force has driven revenue interests in the company, higher merch sales, ticket sales, and some point of WWE's best creative has ever produced. It has been accomplished throughout attention to detail, patience, and reigns committed to evaluating everyone's possible through overreaching uh, saga of the bloodline story. As a center of figure, the, uh, the tribal chief has been instrumental in enhancing the stars of the Uso Solo Sokoa, Paul Heyman, Sami Zayn, Cody Rhodes, and everyone else who has shared the spotlight with them since 2020, aka Kevin Owens as well too. All are big stars with greater fan following interests than they were prior to the investment involvement in the story and it has made WWE better, way more engaging product as a result. That that sentence technically is describing Sami Zayn because without the bloodline, I'm not sure where Sami Zayn would be at without the bloodline. Hold on guys, one second. Let me take a sip of my uh, water real quick. All right, I'm almost done here. Rather, Reigns' accomplished between the ropes has been acclimated by an understanding of his character and its place in the bigger story that is rivaled by a few. I'm going to tell you all this right now, man. Roman Reigns' character, Roman Reigns' run is going to be... It's going to be documented for decades to come. I believe there will be a documentary come out, coming out soon revolving Roman Reigns' character and Roman Reigns' run. He is on the most historic run in company history. I am going to miss the Tribal Chief. I am going to miss this run when it's all said and done. I really am. But um, let me continue here. He has become the centerpiece of the WWE Universe. Every bit of the undisputed top star in professional wrestling. And it's the most uh, vitriol storyteller. There's a lot of great storytellers in the game. Cody Rhodes. Seth Rollins. Um... MJF, you know, there's a lot of great storytellers in pro wrestling, really. Kenny Omega, um, I can go on and on, but Roman Reigns is number one. He is king of storytelling. Cody Rhodes held that reign for a while. He has been dethroned by the head of the table. With Reigns' accomplishments between the ropes has been accumulated by an understanding of his character uh, he does everything right from the way he carries himself to the interactions with his cousin Jey Uso, the title contenders, on and off screen authority figures. The Bloodline Saga is a family feud soap opera storyline transplanted in a wrestling ring. It is the Dallas for the wrestling fans, and the audience is eating it up, including a monstrous number for the July 7th episode of SmackDown that saw over 3 million fans tune in to watch Reigns go on a tribal trial or tribal chief trial of his actions. Three million fucking viewers, bro. That's crazy. WWE ain't ending this storyline anytime soon. So for the people that know I'm over the storyline, fuck you. Because guess what? You're going to be missing something that was never going to be duplicated in a very long time. 
Let me end it with this one, man. In an industry where nothing is ever as good as it was when old fan when older fans were growing up, the Bloodline storyline has come so close to the long-term deal, long uh, detailing-orientated story that captivated audiences in years past. Even if the presentation of it has evolved, Reigns has been the company's greatest attribute for the last three years and has WWE at a place where it was achieving numbers and financial success that has never seen before and never enjoyed. History will one day look back and favorable upon this. He, Heyman, his family, and Pierce have created and perhaps recognized as of the greatest pro wrestling story in history. Yeah, this Bloodline storyline is going to be one of the greatest storylines in WWE history. I don't want to hear it. That is just my opinion on it. Now, Roman Reigns' run has been three years, but John Cena's reign <laughs> has been 12 years plus on top. So, is Roman Reigns' tribal chief run going to be longer? I don't think so. I think it's going to be coming to an end very soon. And I genuinely believe when it's all said and done, Roman Reigns will be going to Hollywood once he eventually drops the championships. And then he will come back, and then he maybe will be feuding with his family, a.k.a. Sola Sokoa. But I'm hopeful that it actually happens at WrestleMania and not against Cody Rhodes. That is just my opinion there. That was a great, that was a great read. Really was a great read. We're going to get to um, another report because I want to continue on here. So we're going to talk about Will Ospreay, and then we'll end the podcast here. Thank you guys again for joining me. This has been a long podcast. We've been going over an hour. I appreciate the support. Uh, be sure you guys go subscribe to the Wrestling Takeover on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow me on social media. Will Ospreay. Now, Will Ospreay is the best pro wrestler in the game today. I ain't want to hear it. Uh, Will Ospreay says, I want to get American flag off the IWGP US title belt. It should be an international title. Uh, Will Ospreay, do you remember the international championship that AEW has? Is he talking about New Japan? Because if he's talking about New Japan, I understand. But if he's talking about AEW, they already got that belt, boy. Already got that belt. In his post-match comments following New Japan Pro Wrestling's G1 Climax Night 3, the IWGP United States Champion highlighted the way that he feels like everyone is doing what they want in New Japan Pro Wrestling, called out Yoti Gashi for getting a title shot as soon as he returned from his extension leave. Osprey then made it clear that he intends to elevate the IWGP United States Championship. He said, quote, everyone just seems to be doing what they want in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'll just use Tashi as an example. That fucker was over in the UK for his extended leave. He did a little bit of stuff in Mexico. Um, who gives a fuck? <laughs> Pretty much you said, who gives a fuck about CMLO? I, I, I don't really, listen, I don't watch that. That's all I'm gonna say. I don't, that's what he said. He came over to the UK and I'm not afraid to say it. Tashi was a dog shit while he was over in the... Are we going to get a Tashi versus uh, Will Ospreay? That's pretty much what this is seeming like. He's building towards uh, 
that match. So that's pretty interesting. Hopefully we see it. We'll see what happens. Um, I don't know, man. Will Ospreay talking shit. I love it. I love when Will Ospreay talks shit. It's great. Ospreay went to describe how he has already done plenty of work with the title. He called it a failed project as it was designed to get over in the United States. Damn. That's a burn on New Japan management there. Do better. Will Ospreay questioned why the championship is in Japan. And he expressed his goal to make it the most desired title in the game. He made it clear that he wants to get to the American flag. Or he wants to get the American flag off the title. As he believes it should be an international championship. Okay. He said quote. I will not lie to you guys. I've done a lot of rehabbing with this belt. This belt was worthless to me. This is a failed project. I mean, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I think the, you know, when I first seen the title, I thought the title looked gorgeous. The title still is gorgeous. But the premise of the title is definitely failed. This title was supposed to be, you know, for the United States fans when it comes to New Japan Pro Wrestling. And it really just not. I feel like the United States fans just don't give a fuck. I mean, I care because I love New Japan Pro Wrestling. I love New Japan. I try to keep up with it as much as I can with what's going on, the updates, this and that. You feel me? But the vast majority of fans in the United States, they don't give a fuck about New Japan Pro Wrestling. They don't care. That's just how it is. So has this title failed? This title was definitely failed. I Listen, I'd say 90% of the fans in the United States don't give a fuck about New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm sorry. They don't care. And it shows that they don't care. Because nobody cared about the IWGP United States Championship. Let me repeat that. United States American Championship from New Japan Pro Wrestling. That was supposed to be over here specifically to present this as an important title and present New Japan Pro Wrestling in the United States. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody doesn't know any of these people besides Will Ospreay. Kota Ibushi, right, when he was in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm not sure if he's still there. I know he competed in Blood and Guts. And he's a crazy motherfucker. I don't know if he's still in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, the Rainmaker. The Rainmaker, man. Listen, you know, fans care about them. But the vast majority of people, fans don't give a fuck about the New Japan Pro Wrestling wrestlers. It's just how it is. So... Listen, I agree with him. I think the title has not been important at all in the United States. And New Japan's got to do a better job with that. I'm tired as fuck. <laughs> I got shit to do. But I appreciate the love and support, you guys. Thank you so much for all the love on TikTok, for all the love on IG, and just for the support on, on Twitter. Much love to y'all. Thank you for uh, continuing to get those ratings up on the Wrestling Takeover. I'm seeing the numbers. The numbers are growing and growing, and I just, it's great to see. It's great to see. It took a minute, man. You know, it's all about the process, all about putting my head down and getting to work, and I'm going to try to stay consistent as I possibly can. Try to give you guys at least, like, maybe two to three uh, episodes a pop a week, and um, listen, wrestling's booming right now, so I'm going to definitely try my best to stay up to date on everything that's going on in Impact Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And obviously, y'all can stay tapped right here for all the coverage on WWE and AEW right here on the Wrestling Ticket Podcast, the number one podcast when it comes to creativity. And I'll catch y'all next time. 
and y'all have a good one now.